Masterclass. Masterclass time. Today we're talking about parole in South Africa. And we're joined by National Spokesperson for Correctional Services, Singaba Kongumalo. Buti, welcome. Thank you for having me. Do you have to wear your uniform when you go to interviews or you just wear it every day? Correctional services is yes. a uniform service, so yes. we have to be in uniform. At least it saves you the time of choosing an outfit, ne? <laughs> to go to work. <laughs> uh, it's not that easy, especially when you have to work those strange hours. Yes. But yes, it's, it's, it's a call that, you know, we've made, so we have to be in uniform. Yes, and I, I think just in terms of, you know, correctional services and your department and the work that you do, many South Africans are not too familiar with how things work when, um, you know, people have to serve time and then come out on parole. And the announcement of Oscar Pistorius being released on parole actually inspired this conversation because we had some questions for ourselves. But I want to take a step back before we delve into the concept of parole. When a person is, so let's uh, uh, use Oscar as the example because everybody knows about that particular case. He's now sentenced and he goes to prison. What happens to a person's money and assets while they're in prison? Okay. First, firstly, I think it's important to highlight that um, a person will commit a crime mm. and will be taken through various phases within the criminal justice system. The police will effect an arrest, an, an arrest mm. uh, if there is a case open. Mm. They will do the investigation, submit you know, the docket to the NPA to make a decision whether <clears throat> that person must be uh, taken through the, um, the, the court system. Mm. And uh, should that person be convicted, uh, that person will be sent to us as correctional services. We do not fetch people from court. Mm. They are sent to us. We don't mm. even fetch them from home. Mm. And when that person is brought to us, he's coming to us with a warrant of detention, mm. uh, specifying that he, here you're having Sangaba Kumumalo who's been convicted of this particular offense, mm. and these are the years that he's expected to serve. That warrant does not even detail so many things that people more often will ask us to provide details on. If it's murder, it will just say murder. It will not even tell you whether it's um, gender-based violence oh. or whether the, the uh, whatever the circumstances, no, it will just say murder and then give us the years that the person must serve. And once that person has been brought to us, we then, we therefore have to admit that person. Mm. And um, it's a process that... Um, takes about 21 days once a person has been brought to us now just um uh, taking this person through in terms of this quality and orientation of some sort mm. and uh, conducting assessments because the court is finally guilty our job is not to therefore say how best are we going to punish you you've been punished mm. already now our responsibility is to say okay how best are we able to assist this person mm. one to correct the offending behavior mm. two prepare this person for life post-incarceration. And that's, that's, a, that's assuming that's assuming that let's use the hypothetical scenario that this person that's coming is 80-something and he's got 20 years. So there are cases where people come in knowing that's where their life is going to end. We do have uh, an elderly population in our facilities. And um, 
unfortunately our job is not to question why these people are being brought to mm. us we just have to administer what is required of us following the Correctional Services Act. And we'll have to admit that person. Mm-hmm. And if, um, let's say, you are 80 years old and you are given 40 years, mm-hmm. it means you will leave our facility beyond the age of 100. Whether mm-hmm. that is possible or not is something different. Mm-hmm. But our job is exactly that, which also uh, factors in the issue of parole consideration. Because in most cases, people think, parole is just a standing alone process mm. and it's not it's built in from the date a person is admitted into a correctional facility so let's use easy numbers let's say the person is sentenced to 20 years right yes um the court would have already said that after x amount of period um, they will be considered for parole. So they already know when they come to you, or no. it's not prescribed at the beginning. No, it's uh, it's only the Correctional Services Act that oh. talks about when does a person becomes eligible for parole consideration. Mm. Perhaps what I need to say is that all inmates in South Africa are eligible to be considered for parole placement. That means irrelevant of the crime or the level all of crime. All inmates are eligible. To be considered, and the important word the the important word is considered, con- is considered yeah. because it doesn't guarantee that a person will be placed out, but it's a test that has to be conducted in saying is this person ready mm. to reintegrate back into society. I, but I, then lo- I love how you phrase in, that. Yes, it bears in handsome saying consideration mm. because it says a person has to serve the minimum required time. Mm. That's the first means test that has to be met to say. Serve minimum required time before you are considered or you are eligible to consider for parole consideration. And I often say, let us simplify it because I remember before joining correctional services, I was also a bit confused. But mm. then what is minimum, you know, required? So in simple English, that is half of the sentence. Mm. To say once you've served half of that sentence, then you're eligible to be considered for parole consideration. You often hear people saying that, um, my brother or my sister has been there, you know, for, for a very long period. When is he or, she, or is she coming out? Mm. Someone will even say that um, uh, so-and-so has applied for parole. I often say there is no person that, you know, is required to apply for parole. Yes. There's nothing like that. Automatically, we have to be considered once you've served that minimum required time. So when we go back to what you said about the 21 days of orientation take place, and, and you, assessments. And the assessments, yes. right? Which I'm assuming is going to determine where specifically in the facility they're going to be. It, it, what's the, the end product in that 21 days is what we call a correctional sentence plan. Because that is like a, a profile on its own mm. to say we've assessed this person who's been you know, brought to us for admission. Yes, this person committed murder. But in our assessments... We've picked up that there are so many things that may have gone wrong in the early mm. years of this person. Um, and uh, this, the, a psychologist would have assessed that person. Mm. A social worker, a criminologist, various specialists would have done their own assessments. Mm. And they will then put together even the programs that this person will need to attend mm. so that you are assisted, one, in correcting that offending behavior. Two, how do we then rehabilitate you? Meaning, how do we stitch back that soul so that by the time you are ready, you know, to go out, you know, you will then be in a position to live a normal life. I'm just thinking 
you know, whenever we see scenes from movies, which obviously are very US based, is yes. when that person arrives in prison and they have to hand over all their things and they get yes. wrapped up, right? And they get put they get, somewhere. They get that number, it's called prison yes. number and stuff. Yes. And then obviously when it comes time to leave, they get given their things yes, back. They, yeah. Now, I'm curious, when that person goes in, they've got an active financial life outside. Yes. So let's assume that they have a career, they've got lots of money. What happens to their bank accounts? You, you, you have cases where a court will pronounce in, in terms of uh, the standing of that person. For, let's say, for instance, you shot and killed a person. The court will say you are no longer fit to have a firearm, li- a firearm license. Mm. And uh, in some cases, you find that the bank or the banks itself will say, because of your conduct, what you have done, we are suspending your... Really? Yes, you, you do have such cases. And but uh, if, the, if the case is not high profile, how would the bank know? Because let's say, hypothetically, I go to jail. Then I say, my brother, my bank card is here. There's the pin. And it's not a high profile case. How would the bank know if somebody's continuing to use the, my money to bring me toothbrush and cigarettes? Yeah. You, you may have those fault lines, but mm. once I think they're picked up, then those institutions, you know, have a duty to then protect themselves and, and the country from any activities that may happen thereafter. Because I'm sure you remember some of the embarrassing cases not so long ago when the Hundred and fifty rand grant was introduced mm. when we had some of the inmates who applied and successfully. You know, <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to be laughing. <laughs> so it, it, it was an embarrassing episode even to us as correctional services because clearly, uh, you know, it, it indicated that we had people who had more than enough time to do all these things. And, you know, we I even nearly such. forgot about that. Yeah, so, so prisoners. Inmates applied for the 350 grant. So we had a few, but then the social development had a very efficient system because Mm. they managed to pick it up to say, but these people are in correctional services, therefore cannot be benefiting from this because they're already benefiting from being with us because they're being taken care of. Mm. Hence, then, you know, they were able to give us that list and were Mm. able then to, you know, not to act on that. But I'm just demonstrating that, you know, uh, those institutions, they do have systems that can uh, assist them, you know, to to stop such activities from happening because it is um, it, it is not ideal for someone who's incarcerated yet continue to have access to all these other things that, you know, may allow him even to have some form of an influence, you know, mm. in the world out there. So it's important that such things, you know, are managed. It's, it's, it's something that um, as a department, you know, we often lies even with other institutions to say, please be, you know, be on the lookout, you know, for, for mm. things like that. But you do have... have um, unique cases where, for instance, let's say you're incarcerated mm. and your partner dies or something and mm. you have to sign off into something, we allow such things oh. to happen. Yes. It's the same as, let's say, you're, in, you're, in, you're incarcerated and your 15-year-old has to apply for an identity document. We are able to assist your, you know, that minor to say, here's a form that your parent who is incarcerated is able to fill it up and then can be submitted to I the Department of Home Affairs. And then, about that. Yeah, and then that minor, you know, is able then to apply for an identity document of that 15-year-old, 16-year-old. But it's, systems are there to mm. assist people because 
if a parent is incarcerated, it shouldn't affect those left at home to continue mm. their lives. And you can imagine if, let's say, um, now the estate is under my name and, and I'm in prison and mm. now at home everyone is starving because, yes. you know, the, then it's now it's a matter of saying, how do we then get this person to sign necessary papers? But the process has to be, you know, looked, you know, quite closely so that uh, wrong things do not happen there. So obviously... Um, the point of the financial institutions doing that is that they wouldn't want criminal activities necessarily happening um, with monies that are sitting in their banks. Yes. It's so just a precautionary it's, it's, measure. It's a precautionary measure, yes. And, and also even to protect you know, the banks you know, themselves because from time to time I get inquiries that this person is in prison but they, it looks like there's some activities under his name. What's happening here? Perhaps is there someone else using his, you know, mm. bank cards, you mm. know, all those things. Then they're able to check and then assist. So let's fast forward now. Um, the 10 years of this 20-year sentence are done. I'm assuming somewhere in the system, you guys will already know, okay, Rebkhile is, is about to be halfway through her sentence. Do you come and notify me to say, Rebkhile, you're going to be halfway through your sentence. We need to prepare you for consideration for parole or am i the one who has to be like hey, hey guys guys what's happening remember i spoke about the correctional sentence plan yes after that 21 days that correctional sentence plan you know must have uh, been you know completed mm. signed off it is like a contract between correctional services and an inmate mm. it guides an inmate throughout his rehabilitation journey mm. the inmate will even be told that as you are starting now your halfway mark is this will be at this particular point mm. So, and as he continues with his programs, he's also able to say, okay, this is where I am now, because that's a correctional sentence plan. We live in detail to say after six months, you ought to have co uh, completed these programs. Mm. After two years, these ones. After, and your, the specialists will also be conducting their own assessments and mm. able to provide feedback so that you're, you're also able to check if everything is still going accordingly. Why is this necessary? You may find that a person has done a number of programs, but mm. they have not assisted this person much in terms of um, progressing positively. Mm. Then your specialists are able to then, perhaps there is a need to look at another program to assist this person mm. even further. It is not to sit and wait until that time, and then you get told, oh, sorry, you lagged on the following, therefore mm. you cannot meet the mark. It's all about saying, how best can we assist you? Hence, you know, we always say even to inmates, do not sit back and say no one has come to me and reminded me that I, I needed to go for formal education. Mm. Wait until six months before. You say, oh, hang on, remember, I was supposed to attend this. Can I mm. do it now? No, it doesn't work like that. So it's, so, it's ongoing assessment. It's, it's, it's ongoing and mm. active involvement, and which calls both the inmate and our officials to work together so mm. that at the end of the day, the, the objective of corrections is achieved, which is rehabilitation, but also assisting this person so that, you know, when they go back, the state is investing a lot of money. Mm. We will prefer not to have people coming back into our correctional center mm. so that I think that man can go elsewhere, building un universities, clinics, mm. and schools. So, but then you go all the way. Then come the time when that person is, to be, is ready now to go before the parole board. And we have a structure called the case management committee. Mm. That structure will then put together the profile. Now, it's like a checklist. Your professional sentence plan said the following, and this is what has happened. Can, can I just ask a question, which is one step back? As we've been speaking about assessment, um, in my mind, I imagine 
it's it's sounding like a lot like it's more based on psychological assessment. What are the other assessments that take place? Because you mentioned, for example, education and things like that. So your social workers, your psychologists, yes. your so as you engage in these programs, mm. there is yeah, there are assessments being conducted as well. They will have those one on ones mm. where they sit with this person and also try to understand if perhaps you know there are other challenges that may have emerged or things perhaps that may have been overlooked. Mm. And then they are there then to address such. The, the, the job of our specialist is not to sit back and say, we've done our part and this is what we have known. Mm. To say, how far did you go in assisting this person? That's the question. So if, for example, in that initial contract that you have with the inmate yes. and the initial 21-day assessment, let's say the person doesn't have a matric and they're quite young and you encourage them, can they say, I don't actually want to? You, you do have cases where someone like, I don't will want say, to study, I don't yeah, want you, to. You'll have someone who will say, look, I'm not so good, you know, with uh, content work, academic stuff, mm. but I'm good with my hands. Mm. Or then it's an issue of saying, how best are you, are you able then to assist this person? Or even, you know, persuade, engage, and mm. see how far, you know, push the person even further. We have cases where, a young person will come to you and say, you know what, I never knew that was capable of such things. Mm. And thanks to Corona services, I've been pushed mm. to this point and I think I'm now a different person. Mm. Because it's a controlled envir environment, then you're able to assist this person. And if you feel that this is beyond what this person can take, then mm. you've got to look at something else. Hence, we are not just looking at formal education. Mm -hmm. We also have other programs, you know, practical work, you know, that can, you know, can assist a person. We have production workshops at Boxberg, mm. Louis a number of our facilities and uh, other institutions uh, working with us. It is all about having everything there to assist this mm. person so that by the time you're out there you're a different person mm. yeah mm. so so it, it goes all the way up to that point hence we have even that structure called the case management committee mm. which will put together this profile before an inmate goes before the parole board and an inmate is invited to say check this is what you've included in your file mm. are you happy with everything here mm. before then that, that 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 file will be submitted and when that file is taken to the parole board an inmate would have seen it and will know exactly what is contained in that file. So if there's a negative report, he will know beforehand. Yes, so it's not a shock or a surprise. No, it's not, not a shock. It's not about catching an inmate mm. off guard, no. So if um, they're halfway using the scenario of the 20-year sentence, yes. at what point between 0 and 10 years um, is the inmate encouraged to do that thing where they... Um, it's not called reconciliation, but where they have to meet with the people. They victim were... offender dialogue. Yes. Yes. At what point in the process does that happen? What's or does it, does it vary on what the victims, when they are ready to have the conversation? Ideally, we'll prefer to have victim offender dialogue happening at the early, uh, at the early stages of mm. incarceration. Why is that important? The victim is then able to have a side view of what this person is doing mm. is even able to track if interested to say oh okay this person came in has been involved in this and so that at the end of the day the mm. victim will say at least i can attest to the fact that this person is rehabilitated because mm. i could see what he was engaged on having it at the tail end of the process doesn't really um, assist much when it comes to uh, people who say, but how do I know if this person indeed, 
you know, um, has been rehabilitated. We do experience such challenges. Hence, whenever we were able to get the victims to participate early, we welcome such mm. because then it assists us, you know, moving forward. You will, because for, for us, it's not just about the perpetrator and the victims meeting. It is also about um, reaching out to both parties and explaining why it's important to undergo restorative justice. I'll give you a quick example. Crime often happens between people who know each other. Uh, it's times, scary though, right? Yes, at times, you it's know, within families, you know, that, yeah. having your brother, you know, incarcerated because of, of the offense that you committed within the family. Mm. That's where at times you find resistance when the person is about to be placed out, the family will say, no, we don't want this person here. Mm. We want this person to die in prison. And you say, sure. no, this person cannot die in prison. Mm. Hence, then issues of restorative justice are important to say, how far do you then prepare the victims mm. as well as the inmate? Because... It's all about one an inmate and uh, getting to understand the impact of his action, you know, and how much more it caused harm to another person. Mm. And those people to say, we're not forcing you to forgive this person, but at least we're saying, let us lay the foundation for, for both of you perhaps to start engaging because we do know that you will have questions. If someone violated, you want to know, but why me? Mm. Out of all these people decided to violate me. Mm. What did I do to you? Mm. And, and the person who wants such answers because, you know, during the, the court processes, you, you are not afforded with such an opportunity. You are going there as a witness. Mm. So at least when we're with us, an open process where you can say, look, I've got questions and I need answers. And perhaps that's a start for someone saying, for me to find closure, I need those answers. Mm. And we're saying, even if people are saying, no, I'm not ready for, to forgive you, but with time, maybe one day they'll find, you know, each other. But also for the, the incarcerated person to say, take note of what you did. Mm. To avoid a situation one day when the person is walking down the streets, he's probably on, on, on the victim and he says, oh, yeah, what were you thinking? I'm out now mm. and I'm going to come for you again. And and we do know, sadly, those some of those cases. So, 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 so these happen, are the things yeah. that we're trying to avoid to say, get to understand the impact of your action and how, how far it affected another person. Mm. There's so many questions coming through on the WhatsApp line. We're going to uh, head over to the news, but when we come back, we'll take your calls on 011-883-0702 and the WhatsApp line 072-702-1702. 702. Masterclass. It is our masterclass. We are continuing on parole. We're with National Spokesperson for Correctional Services, Singaba Kongumalo, who is in studio with us. We take your questions on 011-883-0702 in the WhatsApp line 072-702-1702. I, Budi, I suspect you're going to have to come back again. There are so many questions here and we haven't even got to the heart of the part of parole because we've still been setting up the scene. So... Let's get to the part where now, like you say, this file is ready and the file, the, the inmate knows what's in the file. They've seen where um, all the specialists, those that are, they know what's happening, right? Yes. What is that parole evaluation like? What I've seen in movies, I remember specifically the scene with Morgan Freeman and he's sitting in <laughs> front of the parole board not expecting to go out and every five years or so they ask him and he's this old man and I can't remember what happened, but I think at some point he wasn't even asking to leave. He had given up. What is it like in SA? Is it a room where there's a panel sitting and the person answers questions or how does it work? In South Africa, the system is designed uh, quite differently and uh, we, we get a lot of questions, especially from um, international journalists. Mm. Because they also want to understand. 
how do we do things this side of the mm. world. And in South Africa, they, we still receive a lot of criticism in the past when the parole process was still handled internally. People were saying, but you cannot be a player and a referee. Mm. Then there was a system to introduce um, independent parole boards, mm. meaning they, they get advertised to say we're looking for parole, a parole board. We will have a chairperson, deputy chairperson, and also other members of the community. It could be just a normal member of the community. So you could just you, be a citizen. Yeah, a citizen who yes. was here. There, but there will be checks done on you mm. to check, you know, about your record. And you also have someone representing the NPA, the police, mm. and other structures. So, and that will constitute, you know, an, a, a parole board. You only have a secretary who's then a correctional services official, mm. you know, in that parole board. Then they will, you know, independently, you know, um, go through this profile, uh, go through these reports, go through this uh, correctional sentence plan to check whether indeed this person uh, did um, uh, uh, partake or, or, or completed the, the programs which were identified and what was the assessment by, you know, by, by the specialists. They will also even go to an extent to say, now, what is the impact statement by the victim mm. or the victims of crime? Uh, did you even conduct, you know, that victim offender dialogue and what, what was the out- outcome of it? Here, I'm saying the outcome is not to say, was it uh, in a positive way to say, yes, release a person or no? But just to check whether it was done in the correct way and, you know, processes uh, or everything, you know, you know. Mm. So, and then they will look at all these factors. I will say it's a collage of areas that, you know, of offers that they look at. It is not just one area. More often people will say, but as someone uh, said, this person must not be placed out. But we're saying you are looking at a number of variables. Mm. Then the parole board will then have to look at the risk to say, one, is this person rehabilitated? Mm. Then they'll say, okay, if the answer is yes, okay, fine. What is the level of risk in terms of placing this person out? Mm. And if there is a risk, is it something that is uh, manageable? Can we manage that risk? And also to say, okay, is this person even ready to, you know, to, to live as a normal citizen, you know, out there? There is, is there even a support system? That mm. is also very important. As because in, where is he going? Where after is this, this person going? Mm. Because you do not want to release a person on the streets because that person will be back in a matter of hours or a day. Mm. Because we, we do have very unfortunate cases where uh, the family will say, we don't want this person. No one will say, no, mm. we are not prepared to accept this person. Hence, we even had to introduce halfway, you know, houses. Mm. But we are saying that is not, you know, the, the end goal that you want. People must be released back into communities. Let them demonstrate that they are now different. Let them plow back the skill, you know, that they've learned, you know, inside, inside our facility. So going back to your question, the parole board will then make a decision. So as in, is the assessment with the person in front of them or it's the assessment as them sitting together with fi- a file in front of them? The, the, the parole board will ask if perhaps the victims would want to make representation yes. either verbally or in writing. Mm-hmm. And the, the inmate would also be granted the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the parapet will engage. If they would want to call any of them to say, come engage with us on this, they can do that. Mm. But the process is explained to, you know, to everyone. Hence, from, you know, you will see with other cases where 
even on the day of um, the, the parole board meeting, mm. you will still find the other representative of victims being there yes. because they would have opted to say, you know, we'll want to do oral representation, yes. you know, you know, at, at that particular hearing or so submit something. Do you ever have cases where a person doesn't want to go up for parole because let's say their family says we don't want you and they feel like there's no po- purpose in me leaving. Have you, is that ever the case that a person says, Gish up? Um, not so much, but you do find very strange cases where a person, you know, would rather say, I would rather stay inside here because there's nothing for me out there. And that is not ideal. We do not want that. But, but you know why I understand that to be the case? Let's imagine that a person, you know, you were speaking about them going back to plow back into communities. And we know the reality. Nobody wants to hire somebody with a criminal record or a violent past, all of those things. Um, I can so relate. If somebody says how, but here I'm studying, I have a laptop, my meals are prepared, what am I going out for? But at the end of your sentence, whether you like it or not, we have to release you. Okay. Because keeping you beyond the time is illegal. Yes. So yes. we'll have to release that person. Where do you go is something different. Mm. But uh, it's, as questioner services, we always say no one has to die in prison. Mm. Our job is to rehabilitate you and send you back to that community where you can demonstrate that you are now a different person. Before I jump to the calls, um, the question that I had was, so once they've done the evaluation yes. and they say, yes, parole is granted, why is it not immediate? And if they say no, parole is not granted, do they tell you on that day when your next consideration will be? The parole board will meet and make a decision. And they say, okay, no, you are ready to be placed out there. But for us to manage the risk that we may have picked up, uh, there are conditions that will be attached to you. Uh, even if the risk is not high, hence there is even a classification. There is mm. high risk, medium and low risk. Mm. They will then give you those uh, conditions. Why do we give you even the conditions or the parole board will do that? Mm. Being placed on parole does not mean the sentence has ended. Mm. The only difference is that you will continue serving that sentence, but now out there in the community. Mm. Then there are these conditions attached that you need to comply with. And you will even have a branch in correctional services called community um, uh, corrections where you have monitoring officials mm. who are there to monitor if you are still complying. But their job is not in a way to punish you or to make life difficult for you. They are there to assist you to adjust. Mm. So when you experience challenges, they are there to unlock those challenges and to say, try to get employment, start a business or anything. Or if the family is still resisting helpers, you know, they, you know, they can intervene you know, in that point. Until that sentence expires, then okay. you are a free person. Okay. Uh, let's take some calls. We've got Peter in Kempton Park. Hi, Peter. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I just want to find out if you've been sentenced to life sentence and then you're done 18 years already in jail and when is the prisoner due for parole? So wait, when you say you get life sentence but you've already done 18 years in jail, is this a scenario where somebody was in jail for 18 years and now they commit another... So as in the 18 years was already part of the life sentence or they committed another crime? No, I never committed any crime. The problem is been there. Okay. And then, yeah, even his father died. He was never been allowed to go and bury his father. So is this somebody you know specifically? Yeah. Okay. And then just out of interest, you say they got a life sentence. What was the crime? 
The crime was he shot his girlfriend dead. And when was the crime committed? Hey, it's been years. Because he was one of my uh, boxers in South Africa. And he was an SA champion. Mm, mm. All right, let's, yeah. let's, let's allow... And, and I know, of course, um, Singabako, that we won't know the details of all the questions. But what would the reason be that, for example... Um, when when would the parole be? Because maybe maybe the parole did happen, but Peter's not aware that it was reje- rejected. And secondly, he mentioned that he was not allowed to uh, go bury his father. Okay. Firstly, I think I need to respond to one of the questions that you asked earlier. I forgot. Why is the person not released immediately yes, after the parole board? Yes. Um, there is what we call a pre-release program mm. that has to be undertaken. Why is it important? An inmate needs to understand that as you're going out there, not everyone will welcome you with open hands. Mm. Not everyone will say, come, have a meal with us. Some will so welcome you, some will them. So you prepare this person yes. to say, as you're going out, these are things that you are likely to face out mm. there. Okay, coming back to, to the question, the reason I wanted to know when was this person uh, sentenced is because there are different regimes within the parole system for people serving life sentence. People mm. who are sentenced before... Um, um, October 2004, the mm. first of 2004. Um, at the time, the applicable law was that you have to serve at least 20 years before you are considered for parole placement. Oh, but yes. in that 20 years, mm. they, they benefited from special remissions and other credits, mm. which even took it down up to having to serve only 12 years and six yes. months. You, I don't know when was this person sentenced, but mm. if let's say, at, 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 at the right time, this person was considered for parole placement. Maybe this person was given a further profile. Mm. I always say there is no person denied parole, but they're given what is called a further profile. A further profile is when you say, having gone through your profile, we still pick up the, the errors that require attention. Mm. We therefore recommend that you go and attend to those programs. So the parole board will even mention the programs by mm. name and even give a timeline to say after 24 months or 12 months, you have to come back before mm. us so that we can check whether you are now ready to be placed out. Peter, quick question. Your friend that's yeah. in prison, um, is he remorseful? Sorry? Is yeah, he, he's remorseful and he's, I think he's a good trainer. He trained a lot of boxers with me in Gauteng, mm. in Kambisa. All right, yeah. so, so, so I hope you're answered there that if obviously this was prior to that period in 2004, that would mean that maybe it's another year or so to go if, if your timelines are accurate that you shared with us. Let's quickly go to Daniel. Daniel, go ahead. Hello, how are you? Good, thanks, and you? Okay, I would like to say thanks to Mr. Sibangabu, the gentleman there. He's always, you know, in, in, in his articulation. Yes. He doesn't... He doesn't sugarcoat anything. Yes. And personally, I like him. You know, I like him. Uh, he's a German spokesperson. But however, I'm, a, I'm on Peru. Mm. And uh, my city, yeah? mm. and I want to say to him, uh, the straight and narrow is not easy. It's difficult. Eh? Mm. And another thing that I'd, I'd mention is that the so-called uh, lovers that we meet whilst we're there, or some of them, they attend to us whilst we're there, they're the ones that actually take you back mm. because they have the psychological pressure. You know, that's why you find a guy is out within two years, is back again in prison. You have mm. to say, what, what could have happened? But she gives you this pressure. You know, you have that plate, but you, you eat it out of guilt. Because it's like saying, Manje, 
what are you doing you know so, so if you could just warn all these inmates mm. because they don't know what they're going home to it's mm. difficult it's not easy eh? so daniel what what did you go in for and how long did you serve I served 19 years. I was doing a life sentence mm-hmm. and uh, for armed robbery, and I did a VOD and all that stuff. But uh, I, uh, fortunately with me, I had made peace, you know, because if you make the bed, you must lie on it. Mm. There's no ways, there's no two ways about it. Mm. And when you go home, uh, you know, you've got to start all over again. And don't expect to be accepted. Mm. Just say, you know what? God, I've paid my sins. I'm just going to try and live my way as best as possible. Daniel, I wish you all the best, and I think what you are sharing, um, um, Singabako, I'm sure you, you can relate to many that come out. I was alluding to that to say, it's all good and well to say, oh, you rehabilitated, go out. But me as somebody who hires people, I would be terrified to hire someone, and not to say I don't believe in second chances, I genuinely do, but that fear is is real. We, we always say to people, beside the law in South Africa, that says anyone can be employed, mm. you know, re- provided they meet the criteria and that prospective employer says, I'm willing to give this person a chance because there's no law that says a person with a criminal record cannot be employed. Mm. But we always say to former inmates or, or parolees, declare it beforehand. Yeah. That look, yeah, I am. Mm. Uh, I was incarcerated for this particular offense and I served my time. Give me an opportunity. Those who mm. have granted ex-inmates or parolees a chance. They're able to tell positive stories. Mm. Why, is it, why is it important for people to disclose of their uh, um, uh, criminal records? It then assists you as an employer to say now, you know, how best are you able, one, to protect this person by guiding him the right mm. way? If, let's say, the offense was with the books, then you will know that perhaps I must not place this person where In books finance. are located because, yes. you know, let me allocate, you know, other responsibilities. Or perhaps let me mold or tune this person until such time that we'll be ready, you know, for such. But it's important that people are given a second chance mm, so yes. that they we don't have revolving doors, you know, in our correctional centers, people coming in and out. The last uh, aspect I forgot when I was talking about the the the, um, the October 2004 was mm. that after that, people sentenced to life, are mandatory, now it is mandatory that to serve 25 years flat mm. no credits no benefits yes it's, it is only after that 25 years that you are then considered. considered for parole placement and we are now going to that phase that where people the people who are uh, who are sentenced for life before 2004 october there's very few of them left we are now going to a, i call it a stagnating phase where now we're having people serving long term yes and sadly it's young people mm. togozani in kempton park thank you for your patience go ahead uh, thank you for taking my call. Just a quick one. My question is based on the basically the bank account of a convicted person. Mm. And I painted a, a scenario where I said, let's say a person is convicted for, let's say, culpable homicide. Mm. Person, this, this is a person that was working and on bail, and then he was convicted. Obviously, he's got money in his account, and certain monies will be paid to that account by the company that employed him. Now, is your guest saying that um, once you are convicted, then you are <clears throat> you are barred from any activity, particularly bank? Because I'm thinking uh, maybe my family needs to leave off that for a period of time. 
Is that right. what you say? All right. And 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 my question is, is is based on the fact that I was convicted for culpable homicide back in 20, uh, 2005. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember exactly what happened to my bank account, but I was working. I was actually, I took leave on Monday because I was attending court. I was on bail. Mm. And then I was, I was sentenced to 15 years and then for murder. And then I... Uh, I got leave to appeal, but I spent one year, three months in prison, and I got out on bail after, and then basically it was converted from murder to culpable homicide. But I can't even remember for mm. the life of and, me. And I think it's a, it's, it's, it's a good question that you ask there, uh, sir, um, to, to, to answer, because we kind of covered it. But what happens to that money? Because another person's also asking around the fact that what happens to your debt if you're sentenced to prison? Do the banks automatically repossess things or what? I think I did explain that it's it's not like immediately everything ends yes. you, you get cut off. I even explained that we even have processes where people, you know, will be made to sign some papers mm. if there are monies that must be moved or someone now has to oversee particular mm. affairs now involving the person who's behind bars. Mm. This is done so that everyone is protected. Yes. You protect the banking institution, you protect the person who's inside. And the Even dependents. the person the dependent mm. out there. So everything has to, has to be done the right, uh, the right way so that to avoid a situation where someone may be taken advantage of. You're in prison, you've got no clue what's happening. You can't even see those transactions. The last time you went in, you had 40,000. By the time you come out, there's zero or even mm. negative balance. You say, but oh, oh, hang on, I left my card with my, mm. my, my sister. What did you do to my money? Mm. You know, so, so there are various ways. And, and, and I think lawyers are always there also to assist their clients as well to say, now, how do we handle, you know, these mm. matters? Because a bank will not immediately say, this is a cutoff. You know, they'll also say, you know, yeah. I'll very wanna quickly take a call from the leader of Action SA, Ntate Herman Mashaba. Go ahead. Yes, uh, good afternoon. Yes, I, I just really want to make it really very clear to South Africans uh, regarding this question of uh, parole. Mm. For murderers, uh, for rapists, uh, for uh, drug syndicates, uh, for us as Action SA, if you are saving life sentence, it's going to be life sentence. If you want to parole, don't commit a crime. Mm. Uh, parole will only be considered for minor crimes. But murderers, rapists, and uh, drug peddlers who are destroying our mm. communities, we, we are unapologetic about this. When you are saving life sentence, it's going to be life. If you want parole, then uh, don't breach uh, the trust of society. So, Mr. Mashaba, can I ask a question then? Are you saying yes, that please. as taxpayers, we would then need to be responsible, meaning that there isn't the exit door would kind of become closed for many people that are going into prison, which would mean that we we would start to need more prisons. No, absolutely. Let me tell you what will happen uh, to them uh, under Action SA. Monday to Friday in prison, all those who are saving prison, there will will not be any person inside the prison walls. They'll be out working in the land uh, paying back to society. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Mashaba. Sir, your response? We... We already have a program, uh, self-sustainability and sustenance, mm. where we're saying there is no free meal where you just sit and wait for your plate. It may have to work, and they understand that. Mm. Hence, we even when we went to Parliament, we were able to demonstrate the savings that we've made out of that. We've got farms, we've got workshops, mm. uh, where there are so many you know products that we're producing as correctional services. And that's the way we're also saying to the state, let us assist where possible by saving the little 
and mm. then you can channel, you know, but, uh, the rest to, to other entities. But I think as South Africans, after 1994, we took a decision that people do know they deserve a second chance. Mm. And if people have really done so, give them that second chance. Mr. Ngumalo, I'm denying your application for parole from 7.02 afternoons because there's so many questions we didn't get to. So, and, and we're always available. So you have to come back for a second masterclass. My apologies.